church family, let's turn to the Old Testament book of Joshua. We're back on our Sunday morning study of the book of Joshua. Chapter 8 is our text this morning. We'll begin to read in verse 1. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, experiencing missional success. Experiencing missional success. Joshua chapter 8, we'll begin to read in verse 1. Please stand with me this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in Joshua chapter 8, begin to read in verse number 1. The Bible says these words. Now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take the people of war with you and arise and go up to AIC. I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho. And its king, only its spoil and its cattle, you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua rose, and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And jo Joshua chose 30,000 men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city, behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and it will come about when they come out against us, as at the first, that we shall flee before them. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city, for they will say they are fleeing before us as at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city. For the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be that when you have taken the city, that you shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord you shall do. See, I have commanded you. Joshua therefore sent them out. And they went to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people and went up he and the elders of Israel before the people of Ai. Verse 24. And it came to pass when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness, where they pursued them, and when they had all fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. So it was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he had stretched out the spear until, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as booty for themselves according to the word of the Lord, which he had commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it as a heap forever, a desolation to this day. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit would challenge us in this place today. Speak to us. God, as we pray every single week. Uh, Father, I, we, we pray that if there's someone here who's never turned from their sin in repentance, and trusted Jesus to be Lord of their life, called upon him to, to save them from sin's penalty. God, we pray that they'll do that today. They'll make that choice. We pray your Holy Spirit will convict them and draw them. They'll see their need, Christ's righteousness, judgment that's to come against them one day if they don't turn. We pray they'll do that today. 
God, I pray you'll challenge your church today. Speak to us. Take inventory of our hearts and show us what you see when you look into us, who you see, and really what our heart is concerning Great Commission Ministries. And God, I pray as we come to a time of invitation that, Father, you'll find each of us or we'll allow you to make each of us to what Joshua became that day, someone who was obedient to the commands and the methods that you gave for the destruction of AI, which brought about missional success. Your will be done in our hearts and lives. We'll give you thanks for what you're going to do now. It's in Christ's name we pray and we ask these things. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. Well, all was well after the, the victory at Jericho. There was um, great enthusiasm in chapter 6. They had won. Uh, Rahab had been brought out. There was a great victory uh, because of the blood of Christ, the scarlet thread of redemption. But then as we turn to chapter 7, great defeat came. And you'll remember that it was, it was twofold. It's because Joshua got the big head and he forgot really where the, the, the power for success came from, and it was from the Lord. But also there was internal sin in the life of Achan, and that brought about destruction, and that brought about doom. But at the conclusion of Joshua chapter 7, we see that the nation of Israel ruthlessly dealt with the sin, and they put it away. Now it's the opportunity for a fresh new beginning. Remember, friend, the successful Christian life it's simply a series of new beginnings. If one fails, we don't have to remain there. The Bible in the book of 1 John promises that if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to give us a brand new opportunity to experience revival, his renewed consecration over our lives. And so it's back to the mission in chapter 8. It's, they're not to sit there in destruction and what was, but to embrace a new beginning in the Lord and to experience missional success. Their mission was city by city to march forward until they had claimed all of the abundant life, all of the cities that God had before them. And it's the same for us. But as a church family and as a believer, we're called to be a part of missions. Matthew 28, 19 through 28, as you are going... Uh, we're, to, we're to make disciples. We, we do that by reaching people with the gospel, teaching them to observe all the commandments of Christ, encouraging them to finish well. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says, you're to be my witnesses. You're to start in Jerusalem, then to move out in Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. God has a global view of missions. But if God's called you to live here, this is your mission field. And as a body of believers, God wants us to have success in what he calls us to do. And if we as a church family, as individual families and individuals, would experience missional success, four things that were a reality in Joshua and the nation of Israel's lives must also be a reality in ours. First off, I want you to notice a promise to expect. A promise to expect. Look what the Bible says again in verse number 1 of Joshua chapter 8. Now the Lord said to Joshua. The reason Joshua can, can take all the things that he's fixing to bank on to the bank is because of who they came from. God is, is telling him and about to tell him some things that need to take place in his life 
and, and, and in his leadership capacity, and it needs to be reality in the nation of Israel. So it's the Lord that, are, that is saying these things. He says, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise and go up to Ai. He says, embrace this new opportunity, but do so without fear. He says, fear not. Literally, don't be afraid. Now, listen, in his flesh, he had every reason to be afraid. Uh, they had approached Ai last time in their own strategy and in their own strength, and they suffered defeat. They probably didn't have to look far to see the mounds of their, their brothers in arms who had perished because they went in their own plan, and they went in their own power. And so Satan would love for them just to continue to cower in unbelief and to be afraid. But God says, look, you've repented. Don't be afraid. And friends, Satan seeks to cause us to be afraid. There are many people I find and have found in ministry over these past years who never share their testimony. They never share the gospel. They never engage someone in a gospel conversation or just in a conversation that they're in hopes will lead to as God gives them favor to an opportunity to ask that person, uh, has there ever been a moment that they've turned and trusted Christ? If, if you died today, sir, ma'am, are you certain you'd go to heaven? Well, what do you bank that certainty on? All to try to get to a place that they can ask this question. Can I tell you what the Bible says about that? And the reason many people never do that is this, friend. They're afraid. They're afraid. They can talk to somebody about the weather. They can talk to someone about sports. They can talk to someone about whatever their hobby is. They can talk to someone about politics, what their job. You name it, the devil doesn't care what they talk to them about as long as it's not about Jesus. But somehow when it comes to talking about the gospel, all of a sudden now they're absolutely bound by fear and they say, I can't. When the apostle Paul tells every believer in the, in the book of Philippians chapter 4 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that most certainly means talk about Jesus and be a witness. Well, they weren't the first, and you're, you won't be the last. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1, Abraham was facing some hardships and challenges. In verse number 1 of Genesis 15, the Lord said to Abraham, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, do not be afraid. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. All the things that the devil would have caused Abraham to be fearful of, to turn back, and to turn away, not to trust God. God had a word for him. Do not fear. Well, Abraham got ahead of the Lord, he and Sarah. And they got an Ishmael on their hands. Well, after Isaac was born, Sarah was jealous. And, and they wrongfully just put uh, Hagar on the road and Ishmael out to pasture. But God cared about Ishmael. God cared about Hagar. And there she was distraught, seeing that he might die. And in verse 17 of Genesis chapter 21, the Bible says, And God heard the voice of the lad, this was young Ishmael, and then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. God had a plan. And God was going to take care of Hagar, and he was going to take care of Ishmael. After Isaac 
grew. Uh, he had challenges uh, with Abimelech over water. And he was really distraught. And he sought the Lord. In verse 24 of Genesis 26, the Bible says, And the Lord appeared to Isaac that same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. Joseph had been in Egypt for several years now. Jacob was still brokenhearted and distraught. His brothers finally came clean, told him everything that had happened. The family was about to be reunited. Jacob was going to lead all of his family to Goshen where they could be preserved from the famine. God was going to make a way for the nation of Israel so they can continue to grow, have godly generations, teach them the word, so that in the fullness of time, Christ would come when it was God's plan. But Jacob was scared. He was about to head into a foreign place with a foreign king. And even though he was excited about seeing Joseph, he had some really serious reservations about this. In verse 2 of Genesis 46, the Bible says, Then God spoke to Israel, that's Jacob, in the visions of the night. And he said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. And he, God, said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation. I will go down with you to Egypt. I will surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. And so, friend, God always shows up right on time for his children to offer us a word of encouragement and a word of promise, a promise that we can expect and we can trust in, that he'll never leave us. He will never forsake us. He says, I have given. Do not be afraid. Look at verse 1 again. I have given. He says, the land's yours. It's, it's already done. You've got to go up and claim it. I've already given it to you. If you're here this morning, you've never been saved. I want you to understand, God has already given to you eternal life. You haven't possessed it yet, but he offers that gift to you. It is paid for in the body and the blood of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 6.23 says he offers it as a gift to you. You only by faith, friend, have to turn from your sin and then by faith receive Jesus to be Lord of your life. You know, there's nothing to be afraid of, friend. Just turn and trust Christ. Can I just say this morning, friend? I'm a satisfied customer. Greatest decision I've ever made in my life is to turn and trust Christ to be Lord of my life. And so there's nothing to be afraid of. By faith, just trust Christ. He says, I've, I've given you all of the land. Look at verse 2. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho. He says, the success that you had in Jericho, you're going to have an Ai. Now, that's contingent on them following the Lord, and we're going to get to that. But he says, it's, it's already there. You don't have absolutely anything to be afraid of. And don't forget chapter 5, verse number 14. The Bible says that the commander of the Lord's army, he was there to go with Joshua. So they had a word of promise. And listen, friend, equally, just they had the son of promise. A pre-New Testament appearance of Jesus Christ who would go before them. They went to battle armed with God's word of promise and God's son of promise. You say, well, that's great for them, but what about for me? When I'm trying to talk to a co-worker and my, my knees are shaking so loud and hitting together so loud, they can't even hear my voice. What about when I'm at the gas pump and someone says, man... 
What about how crazy the world is right now? You, you think there's any hope at all? And God just throws you a lob, friend. Better than that, friend, he sits a ball on the tee. And all you've got to do by faith is hit it out of the park by talking about Jesus Christ. You say, what, do I, what am I to do? You know, that's great that God was with them, but what about me? Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. He says, go therefore, as you're going, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. That's summed up in this, friend. Live on mission. Reach, teach, and encourage. He says, you do that. He says, as I have commanded you, listen for it. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, there'll never be a time that I'll not be with you. So we don't have anything to be afraid of. And I won't take the time to develop it this morning, but Acts chapter 18, verses 9 through 10, Paul was in a pinch. He was feeling some pressure. And there comes the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend, and encourages him and says, I'm with you. I'm with you. Acts chapter 23 and verse number 11. Paul's in another pinch. Listen, Paul lived in a pinch. Everywhere Paul went, friend, he didn't worry about what was going to happen, who was going to get upset. He just took Jesus in and let the chips fall wherever they might. And there he was again in a pinch. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 23 and verse number 11, but the following night the Lord stood by him. The devil said, Paul, you're all alone. Here you are. You've got everybody stirred up again. You're facing death. Everybody's abandoned you. But Jesus Christ comes right by his side, friend, just what we're saying, and whispers a sweet word of peace. The Bible says right here, be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified of me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. He says, you're not going to die here. I'm not through with you. And so there was, there was a promise to expect. Don't forget what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6. The Bible says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Then verse 6 says, because he has said, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Because he has said, we can say. And so I'm telling you, friend, you can, you can give in to fear if you wish to, but you're not seizing the victory that's there in Jesus Christ. You just look the devil in the face, and in the power of Christ say, no, I can't, devil, you're right, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so there, there was a promise. There was a promise to expect, and that's what they did. They trusted in the Lord. Secondly, notice this morning, though, there was a provision to equip. A provision to equip. Look what the Bible says at the middle part of verse number 2. He says, only take it spoil. He's speaking of Ai. And it's cattle. You shall take it as booty for yourselves. He's saying, you enrich yourself. Now in Jericho, they weren't to take anything. But now the Lord's giving them the opportunity to prosper themselves but not to prosper just so they can sit fat and sassy and live however they want to, but so that their needs will be met as families as they continue to march forward across the promised land 
following the commander of the Lord's army, seizing city by city, taking ground for the kingdom of God. God was giving them what they needed for ministry, and it's the ministry that he had called them to. And listen, friend, God's timing is always perfect. You say, well, why didn't he let them have Jericho? Because he didn't want them to have Jericho. It was to be a memorial again and, and a, a teaching lesson that the first of everything belongs to the Lord. It was also a test. But if they had needed it then, then God would have given it to them then. Friend, whatever you need for ministry and to be successful in it, God will send it, and he'll send it right on time. Now, I don't want to spend much time here, but, but let's go back to Achan. There Achan saw all of those things in Jericho the accursed things that God had forbidden him to take. And he went back at some point in the night, and he began to take those things, and it not only brought destruction upon the nation of Israel, but it brought destruction to him and his entire family. Had Achan only waited, and had Achan only lived by the word of God, he'd still been alive, and he'd still been serving. Friend, I want you to remember that when the, when the word of God says, Thou shalt not, what that literally translates to you as a believer is this. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. And when the Bible says, thou shalt do this, well, the Bible is saying this. Help yourself to happiness. You just, you just help yourself to happiness. You, you do this, and you enjoy it because it's blessed by me. And so there's the promise, friend, in Philippians chapter 4, and verse number 19, God says all of our needs will be met. The Apostle Paul says, and my God shall supply all your needs. Not part, not a little, not some, but all. We've talked about this before. You know, you get down to the root of the word. Church family, what does all mean? It means all. Any, every, all. The Bible promises, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. And here it is again, friend. It's all by Christ Jesus. It's all through the personal relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. And so that's why, friend, it's so simple. Matthew 6, listen to me. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's Christ's rule over my life. Be kingdom-focused. Be kingdom-focused. But seek Christ's rule over your life. The Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then what? All these things will be added unto you. All the things that other people are getting ulcers about, staying up at night worrying, when's this going to come in? How are we going to accomplish this? Now, can I just remind you, friend, the Bible's not talking about meeting all your greeds. You say, well, I, I still don't have my, my lake house. I still don't have my, my summer residence down in the Virgin Islands. I still don't have this, and I still don't have that. God may not want you to have this or that. Is that going to help you be more obedient to the Great Commission? Is that going to help you? I'm telling you this, friend. God knows what he wants to do in your life and through your life, and he promises to give you exactly what you need for him to be able to accomplish that in your life and through your life. And it's up to you and God to figure out what those things are and what all of those other things aren't. But he promises whatever you need to be able to accomplish what he wants to do in you and through you, he'll provide it. 
He'll provide it by himself. Just be kingdom-focused. And friend, you won't be like everybody else that's staying up all night long, worrying how they're going to get this, worrying how they're going to get that. You can sleep like a baby because you know, friend, that God's going to take care of you and he's going to meet your needs. He's going to meet your needs. So there's a provision to equip. Third, I want you to notice this morning, a plan to execute. So the Bible says, look at the latter part of verse number 2. He says, so lay an ambush for the city behind it. Lay an ambush? But that's not what we did last time. God says, no, you're going to lay an ambush this time. Same mission, different method. You see, the last city that they destroyed, for six days they were to march one trip around the city and then to go sit in the shade. You know, what all they did, we don't know. But one thing we do know they did. Every morning for six straight days, everyone that was going to go to battle, with the priests in front, everybody, all the whole group that was going to fight, they marched one time around. But then on the seventh day, they marched seven times around the city, and then they all shouted. Well, why did they do this? It's because that's what God told them to do. That was going to be the method for missional success against Jericho. Well, now there's a different method. Now there's a little more strategy in this. It's, it's what we know as a faint. They're going to take one part of all those who are battle ready, and they're going to hide them in the rear. They're going to have a guard over to one side, but another part's going to be in the rear. They're going to be kind of a reserve. They're an offensive reserve. And then Joshua's going to take a lead force, and he's going to do what we call movement to contact. He's going to move forward until he's engaged by the city. All the men, and apparently Bethel comes to help. So all the men of Ai, all the men of Bethel, they begin to move against this early force, and then they pull and execute what's called a faint. They, they faint backwards, so to speak, as it were. And the other enemy thinks, oh, they're fleeing. And so then they push away all tactical discipline, they're, they're not looking for any kind of threat. Man, they're so full of pride, they think they've gone. To, and all the men of Ai are like, run them down, boys. They're doing what they did before. But little did they know, all the force that was fleeing in the faint ran right through the middle of all their buddies. And then here comes the major offensive reserve that had been, and they absolutely destroy Ai. Totally different method. But the mission was exactly the same. God gave Jericho, and now God's given Ai. But the method by which he would do it would be absolutely different. Look at, look at verse 6 again. It says, for, for, when, for when they will come out after us, we, 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 will, we will have drawn them from the city. So then there'll be the faint, fix, and finish. That's what you do, faint, fix, finish. They, they faint, fix them to the rear to where they can't escape. And then they finished them. And that's what they did. Can, can you imagine if God had told that to the average Baptist church in East Tennessee? What would have happened? Especially if he had told it to March and Shout Baptist Church. Right? Because that's what they would have been known for. Well, how do we... Well, we march... No, God, we're not going to do that. Because we march and shout. That's how we tear down cities. That's what we've always 
done. And there was going to be that struggle, friend. Don't you know there were probably some people in the group saying, now, wait a minute, Joshua. What do you mean we're, we're going to draw them out and lay an ambush? That's not what we did before. That's not the way we've always done it. I'm just, I'm joining another army. Because I want to tell you something, bless God, we've always marched and we've always shouted and we're always going to march and we're always going to shout. And guess what they would have suffered, friend, if they would have done that? A glorious defeat. And here's the reason why, church family, you hear me this morning. The mission never changes, but God's methods do. God forgive a local church if we ever come to a place, listen to me, that we become more passionate about the method than we are the mission. Because when that happens, friend, you will absolutely suffer defeat. You see, when the church becomes more concerned about the method than the mission, the method becomes an, an idol. We begin to worship the method. And we do everything, friend, within our power to try to protect that method. We've always marched and shouted. And now Joshua's talking about that we're not going to march and shout. We're, we're going we're to pull a faith. What's going on? Everything's falling apart. Nothing wasn't falling apart, friend. God wanted to lead them to victory. But he would do so with a different method. Friend, God isn't concerned with the method. He's concerned with the mission. And for the local church, that's souls. I want everybody in our church family to take your Bibles and turn. Keep, keep your place there in Joshua. But everybody in our church family, turn to Matthew chapter 9 this morning. Already seen some arms crossing. People puckering up just a little bit. You can all keep your seats. Matthew chapter 9. We're going to begin to read in verse 35. I just want to read these verses to you this morning. See, it really comes down to answering this question as a church family this morning. The nation of Israel is going to have to answer this. Am I, am I mission-minded or am I method-minded? Did you hear what I said? Am I mission-minded or am I method-minded? Listen to what Jesus has to say. Listen to what's taking place. Verse 35 of Luke chapter 9, of Matthew chapter 9. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That is for them to seek the kingdom of God first. That was him. His righteousness over their lives. He was healing every sickness, every disease among the people. These were ways to build relationships, to, to meet physical needs that showed the greater need, which is always spiritual. And that he had the power to do that. Now listen, but when he saw the multitudes, now hear me this morning, those multitudes were lost people who didn't know him. Lost people who were going to die in their sin. And can I remind you that the mission for Jesus is found in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10? Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to. The Son of Man has come to. What's the first word? Seek and to save. That which is lost. That's the mission. That was his mission. It's still the mission for the church today. But he accomplishes it through his spiritual body, the church, not a body of flesh and blood that he had when he walked upon this earth in sandaled feet for 33 and one half years. 
when, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, after seeing all these lost people, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Well, what's the harvest? It's a harvest of souls. It's, it's bringing people to a saving knowledge of Christ. That's the mission. To reach people with the gospel, teach them to observe all things, and to encourage them to finish well. That's the mission. And so he says that the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Because the harvest is the mission. That's, that's what Jesus was concerned with. And so the mission is the harvest. Harvesting souls. Listen, friend, the methods to accomplish the harvest are many. You can reach people with the gospel so many different ways. You can teach them the word of God so many different ways. You can encourage people so many different ways. The question I have to ask as a believer and a part of a local church who's responsible to be a part of the harvest is this. Do I have a heart for the harvest or a heart for the method of the harvest? If we're not careful in the local church, we can be like some people are going to be tempted there in Israel to say, well, we've never done it that way before. We marched last time. We, we marched and shouted. Why are we not marching and shouting again? I'll tell you why, friend. Because that's not what God told them to do. He led them to do it a more effective way. If they'd been more passionate about the method than the mission, they would have suffered total defeat. So that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Do I have a heart for the harvest or for the mission of the harvest? Listen, friend, I want to say there are indispensable essentials in the spiritual harvest. Now, you hear me this morning. Don't go away this morning and say, well, he must be talking about burning our Bibles or something. Or, you know. No, friend, there are indispensable essentials in Great Commission harvest. There's the Word of God. Romans, Romans 10, 17. So that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, by the Word of God. There is the witness. Verbal and lived out, physical. You, you live out what you believe, but you also share what you believe. Acts 1, 8. And you shall be my witnesses. So there's the word, there's the witness. And third, friend, there's always going to be a whosoever will. That's the object of the gospel. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So three, three essentials there will always be there. The word, a witness, and the whosoever will. But how we get the word and how we witness and how we get that to the whosoever will... That can change. The mission never changes, but the methods to do so can. I want to tell you something, church family. If we ever come to a place, you hear me this morning, that we are more passionate about the method of harvest than we are the harvest, you hear me. We have become a facade, and we're going to die. We're going to die. I don't mean, friend, just the church will cease to exist. I'm telling you, spiritually we die. We never lose our salvation, but we become dead. Remember the Lord wrote a letter in the book of Revelations to a church that everybody thought you have a testimony that you're alive, but he says, I really see the inside. He says, and you're dead. Because they were more passionate about methods than the mission. 
In Revelation chapter 2, begin to read in verse 8 and following, he spoke to a little church named Smyrna that everybody would have looked at and thought that they were an absolute failure. But he says, you be faithful. Literally translated, you keep being faithful. Keep being faithful. Revelation chapter 3, he writes to the church at Philadelphia. He says, you have kept my word. Not just the written word, but how he was leading the church to fulfill the Great Commission. And so of the seven churches, only two churches were found faithful. It wasn't, friend, because of their methods. It was because of their faithfulness to the harvest. To their faithfulness to the harvest. So you hear me this morning. Methods change, but the mission never does. So they had a plan that they were going to have to execute. And if they failed to execute the plan that God was giving them to accomplish the mission, they would suffer utter defeat. Total defeat. As I will say to you again this morning as our pastor, when we become more passionate about protecting a method than the mission, we cease to be a great commission church. And we die. We die. So I want you to understand, real farmers, they're not too concerned about the farm. You know, they don't care how cute the barn looks. They really don't care if the tractor's always positioned just in a certain way. They don't care if there's cute little flowers at the front of the gate for everybody to say, oh, what a beautiful farm. Real farmers are concerned about one thing. What do you think it is? The harvest. They'll always be, there's, you know, farmhouses so in now, all these things, and... Everybody's got these little fake facade farms. Listen, friend, they wouldn't know the front end of a tractor from the rear one. All they're concerned about is to look. Now, you hear me this morning. There are churches that are just like it. They're only concerned about the farm. Am I harvest focused or am I farm focused? Friend, Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Build the kingdom and there'll be a church. Just build the kingdom. Reach the harvest, there'll be a farm. And so there was a plan they were going to have to execute, but it was going to be different than anything they had done before. And it comes down to this. I'm moving to the next point. Obey the plan that God leads. God leads. Did Joshua come up with this plan? Hello? God did. Follow the Lord or die. It came down just as simple as that. Just as absolute simple as that. Jesus says, Matthew 16, 10, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. That's how he sees it. Matthew 25, 23, Just be faithful and you'll receive reward. Serve the Lord, be faithful, seek the kingdom. Matthew 6, 33, all these things will be added. Success is found in faithfulness. Faithfulness is found in success. Fourth notice this morning, and also close, there there is a prevailing to experience. A prevailing to experience. Look what the Bible says in verse number 26 of our text in Joshua 8. "For, For Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out his spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock, the spoil of that city, he took his booty for themselves according to the word of the Lord which he had commanded Joshua So Joshua burned Ai and made a heap forever a desolation unto this day. It's it's this simple. Listen to me. 
They obeyed what God was leading them to do. And they found success. They found success. And when it comes to Great Commission Harvest, you may be one here that's sitting here this morning, and, and you say, man, I've tried to share the gospel with so many people, and I've never led one single person to Jesus Christ. Friend, can I just share with you, though, you don't know who came behind you and shared and who came behind them and who came behind them, and they finally came to know Jesus Christ. So one planted, one sows, one waters, God gives the increase. You, you never know. Only, only heaven will know. But success, listen to me, is not found in you leading someone to Christ. Hear me. Success is found in you being faithful to attempt to lead someone in the power of Christ. Success is found in just so... Again, go back to those two churches again. Revelation chapter 2, Smyrna and Revelation 3, Philadelphia. The world's elements and judgments of what success, they weren't found. You now it's bodies, bucks, and buildings, Right? Got a lot of bodies. So you hear that? Oh, everybody goes down there. Well, everybody goes to the bar on Saturday too, but that doesn't mean word of God's being honored there. Boy, everybody goes there. So what? Question's this. What are the people like that go there? Oh, they have the biggest budget. So what? The bar took in a killing last night too. Oh, they have the nicest, most wonderful building. So did the bar that had a grand opening. La-di-da. Let me tell you what God's concerned with again, friend. What do you think it is? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Just be faithful and you'll be a success. That's all you have to do. Those of you that are working with the kids on Sunday morning and Sunday night, bless your heart. Can I, can I just say again, the most difficult ministry to prepare for is teaching young kids. And it's not because, listen, they're like trying to herd rats or cats into a corner. It's not because of that. It's trying to come up with the third responsibility, to know the original message to the original audience, time transcending truth, but then to make application, to try to make application of a text to a small child is far more difficult than standing up here and preaching to all you smiling people this morning. Far more difficult. You, you may be driving home and say, I just don't know if they heard anything. If you were faithful, friend, God's pleased. So I'm trying to witness. Nobody will listen. God's pleased. You were faithful. So I've got, I've got a neighbor that says they're saved, and I, they're just not growing. I keep trying to share the commands of Christ to disciple them. I just don't know if they're listening. You've been a success because you've been obedient to the Lord. There, there, there is a prevailing to experience. Joshua and the nation of Israel prevailed because they were faithful to the plan of God. And while on mission, friend, I can't choose Christ for someone. I wish I could. If you're here this morning and you know you've never been saved, I wish I could choose Jesus Christ for you. Because I'm here to tell you this morning, friend, if Shirley McLean was right and I had a thousand lives to live, I'm telling you this morning, I'd give every one of them to Jesus Christ. Every one of them. I wish I could choose for you, but I can't. But you, you, you try so hard, you say, and I, I, I wish I could just choose for some. You can't. But you can choose to follow and obey Christ in all things as he leads you, guides you, and directs you. And we as a church can do the same thing. Church family, you hear your pastor this morning. I want to make this statement to you. If we become 
and if we are more passionate about the methods of reaching people with the gospel than we are the mission, we're dead. We're dead. The methods don't matter. The mission is what matters. Christ didn't die for a method. He died for the souls of lost men. And that's the mission. That's the mission. And that's the reason so many churches make zero impact upon their community and their world. They are fighting so hard to protect. We're always going to march and shout. We're always going to march and shout. If God doesn't lead us to march and shout always, then we need to do what God tells us to do to reach people. Because it's the mission that matters, not the method. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Do you know you need to be saved this morning? Do you sense that in your heart? I wish I could choose for you. I wish I could choose for you. But you must. I can't. Christ died for you. He loves you. And He wants to save you from sin's penalty, which is an eternity separated from Him in a place called hell. If you'll only turn from all your sin this morning and by faith trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. Won't you do that? Tell Him so right now where you sit in a simple prayer of faith. Pray just like this. God, forgive me, a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe He rose from the grave. I turn from my sin to Him, trusting Him to be Lord over all my life as best as I know how. I'm asking you to forgive me and to save me according to your word. Did you pray that? Did you mean it? Friend, I'm telling you on the authority of God's word. He has saved you. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a promise you can expect. You can, you can believe that because he has said it. As they begin to sing in a few moments, once you make your way down here to the front, if you prayed that prayer so that I can encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life. Church family, would you be honest? Every single member of our church, would you be honest before God today? Be honest, because listen, he knows your heart. Are you more passionate about a method or are you more passionate about the mission? And if it's the method, would you not humbly ask God to break your heart today over the lostness of our world? And just write him a blank check this morning and say this. God, however you want to lead me, however you want to lead my family, however you want to lead this church family to accomplish missional victory, which is reaching a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you command it and will obey. Just like Joshua did, I'll do, we'll do, and we will do. Father, you speak to your church. Challenge us today. God, I pray you'll show us the lostness that Jesus saw that in reality is all around us a field that is wide unto harvest. God, we do pray, as the Lord commanded, you'll send out workers into the field, but it will begin with us. Send me. Send my family. Send this church. Give us the plan you want us to have, even if it's not the plan and method we've always used. Because we realize the essentials will never change. The word, the witness, 
and the whosoever will. Speak your will to our hearts now. I pray that you will find us faithful as we respond to it today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let's reverently stand to our feet.